0: If you were here last week at the start of service, you may know that for that Charged Full Living segment that I do, I talked about a video that's gone viral. That's about the uh, joyous aftermath of a five- or six-year-old boy who has just learned to ride a bike for the first time. I thought I'd start with that video here today. I feel... I feel... Do you feel alive? I feel... I feel, I feel happy of myself. I feel happy of myself too. What do you got? Any words of wisdom? What about for all the other kids trying to learn how to ride their bike? Can you say anything to them? thumbs up thumbs up everybody All right. for rock and roll <laughs> by the way that's going to be my epitaph thumbs up everybody for rock and roll i love how thrilling this video, video is how it reminds us to be thrilled with the small Very important, very critical developmental steps that we take as people through this life. And what I love so much is that it's about riding a bike. Such a rite of passage for so many kids. Riding a bike which is an exercise in strength and balance. And learning the exact kind of strength we need to have the exact kind of balance that we need. Too much seeking for balance, we fall over. Too much strength, we fall over. And that brings me to today's movie for spirit flex meet this fellow here that's Poe Poe the panda whom many of you know Now, this is the second Kung Fu Panda movie, and I fear they are going to continue making them until they have to find a new Jack Black to give voice, because when the first movie earns $650 million, and this one is also looking to be a hit, they are just going to keep going until they drive it right into the ground. Now, what Kung Fu Panda comes down to at its very basis is an understanding of what is false strength, And what is real strength? What is the kind of strength and peace that balances us in this life? And what is the kind of strength that causes harm to us and to other people? Now, to say right off the bat, that although this movie was one of the most amazing visual things I've ever seen in the theater, I mean, they excel what Pixar does. The 3D in this movie, most often 3D is an afterthought and it looks awful. It looks incredible in this movie. That notwithstanding, this movie was not nearly as fun as the first Kung Fu Panda two years ago. I mean, they did not even mention the word skadoosh. Skadoosh, which is like voila and shazam and everything all rolled in together, which the first Kung Fu Panda, Poe the Panda in that, when he is just coming to understand that he is an unlikely hero, skadoosh is his word of amazement. It's a different story this time around when the Poe, the panda who knows that he's a hero already, becomes a different kind of panda. His opponent in this movie is a malicious, deeply malicious peacock named Shen, who with superior firepower wants to rule all over China. ...and to rid the world of Kung Fu. He is the very different kind of strength that Po is. For him, strength is always forcefulness over another person. It is always forcefulness that wants to control other people's lives. Now, Po and Shen both share a past. And it's actually a very painful past, which if you are a parent taking your child to this movie... ...you may have to find yourself explaining about just a little bit. They share a childhood trauma... The issue with Shen, though, is he will not let it go until he gets his revenge. Until he gets his revenge, he says that he can never find the peace that he is looking for. Poe, however, being gentle, even as a fighter, being gentle of nature, he has no desire for revenge, but he does want to understand what has happened to him because he is troubled by these haunting memories and this sense of abandonment. And probably the most subtle Point, the most subtle psychological and spiritual point in the entire movie. And I say subtle in the context of a movie that features a giant talking panda who does kung fu. So we're not talking like Swedish film Bergman's levels of subtlety, but it's still pretty cool because they don't spell it out explicitly. We see that the moment at which Poe was abandoned by his parents, not because they didn't love him, but because they needed to ensure his safety, that he is placed in a box of food, a box of radishes. And so we see here, perhaps as some of us know in our own lives, that when one primary hunger, primary drive, perhaps the most powerful there is as human beings, that desire to connect, that desire to be loved, that where that is thwarted, we see the transference to another object. In this case, for Poe, it is food. He eats and eats and eats to fill something in him that doesn't feel whole. But ultimately, he is not a glutton. He is after something deeper in this movie. First time he hears it, he doesn't understand. All throughout the movie, he is in search of inner peace. Now, at first, being a panda of profound appetites, and relatively small intellect, he says, where can I get this inner peace of what? He thinks it's food. He thinks it's something he can slice up. But the kind of inner peace that eventually he understands himself that is demonstrated to him is a kind of delicate balance, a kind of mindful movement that is shared with him by his spiritual master, his Kung Fu teacher named Shifu. And when I was watching this movie, I remembered that not too long ago, I received a letter, a letter from myself. Some of you might know that a few months back, I completed what's called mindfulness-based stress reduction. Much of it was not new to me, but the idea and the practice of mindful movement was new to me. And I loved it so much that, in fact, as some of you know, when I take sabbatical next October, I'm going to start the instructor training for a deeper mindfulness practice now in this letter that they had us write to ourselves on the last day of the sessions and then they mailed to us a couple months later they said write down what you want to remember here what you want to continue practicing and I wrote down about five different things but this is the thing I wrote down that stuck with me the most I wrote remember that the balance finds me I do not find the balance. It was after a day of some yoga, some postures. I hadn't done a lot of yoga to that point in my life. And I was really stressing and straining to get it right. And I was all tight and all tense. And this great mindfulness instructor said, you know, the tension and the tightness, that is, is not helping you. Just be as you are in your body. And what I found magically, even though I was not expert in any way, is that the balance did find me once I stopped trying to attain this elusive thing called perfect balance. Now, as the grace of this sometimes very graceful universe would have it this past week, literally in the hours before I went to see this movie, Kung Fu Panda 2, I had a session with my yoga teacher. And as this gracious universe would have it, There's always noise. It's all good. As long as there's no noise in here or in here, we're doing okay. Now, as the grace of this universe would have it, my teacher decided to work with me unplanned, unbalanced poses this past week. And so I'm going to risk here failing spectacularly in front of you by attempting to share with you one of the poses that I learned it's called eagle pose. And is it all right if you have to take off my shoes before I do this? Alright. It's easier that way. Or I guess we'll see. Actually this is comfortable up here. I might want to preach barefoot from all from here on out. Put these over here. Now, eagle pose sort of starts like this. Sort of balance on one leg. And you come around with this leg here. This is really tough with a lot of people watching. And you bring one up here. And you bring around here. And you sort of lean down into it a little bit. This is actually easier without so many people watching. (laughs) I'm going to give this one more shot. I knew I was putting this burden on myself, so, you know, if you're here watching this train wreck, try and forgive me, not you. (laughs) Try and breathe into it. Now I know this foot's supposed to be wrapped around my leg, but we're not there yet. Breathe into it. Find your center. Stay there until you stop. Now. It was actually better the first time I tried it. What my yoga teacher kept telling me during this practice is that although I was really Clenching up and tightening. He said, do something with your fingers and with your toes. So you could see I was starting to pull them in. I was starting to tighten up. And he said, stretch out your toes. Just stretch out your toes as far as they can go when they're back and down here. And when your hands are up here, stretch them out toward the sky as well. Stretch them out. Natural tendency is to want to, you know, oh, God, this is tight, this is difficult, this is embarrassing to do it in front of you. No, stretch out. Stretch out. We got to the end of that practice. The experience of my fingers and my toes opened up. And we were talking at the end of that great session about balance. And I said that was one of the most... Meaningful and embodied experiences of strength without force than I have ever known in my life. The tendency in most of our lives, including my own, is that when we want to get strong and we want to be strong, we kind of suck it all in. We clench up. We tighten up. When we are under pain or in duress, we tighten up. We force it. I mean, physically, physically, we clench. I'm going to ask you to clench with me right now. First, clench up your shoulders. Clench up your shoulders. Be strong with me. Except it's not really strong. Clench up those shoulders. Oh, it's not easy to live this way, is it? Wrap yourself around yourself. Oh, so tight, so tense, so strong, so defended. Now let it go. Next. Tighten, tense up your, your, your jaw muscles. Really <clears throat> grind your teeth together. By the way, the average pounds per square inch when we're chewing is about 50 to 60. When we're tightening and tensing our teeth, about 150 pounds per square inch. And for those of us who have had the experience of literally grinding our teeth at night to the point where we are grinding down our bone, that kind of tension, 1,200 pounds per square inch. Of pressure. And I'm going to ask you to do one more thing with me. Clench up your tush. While you're sitting. Just clench it up. Come on. Clench it up. Kids do it all the time. Ah. Now relax. I mean, nature's giving us a nice little tush to sit down on. With a little bit of padding here. It's alright. This physical Clenching. It has its emotional and spiritual parts, too. Sometimes when we believe we need to be so strong in our lives that we pull all of our energy in, we recognize that, in fact, we are robbing ourselves of a different kind of strength. That is, that strength in which we allow ourselves not to clench, but to flow outward. The most insidious form of this experience of strength as forcefulness ...is when we do it without even noticing. It's like in Born in the USA when Bruce Springsteen sings... ...you end up like a dog that's been beat too much... ...so you spend half your life just covering up. That is strength as forcefulness. That is strength that is really fear-based... ...because we believe that the only energy we have is just our own... ...so we better hold on to it as tightly as we can. But i got to tell you what I experienced... ...when I was really listening to my teacher's guidance is that there is a different dimension of strength. And it is in flow. It is in connection to prana or spirit or God or the life force, the larger life force, not just our own. It is bigger and ultimately more holding, more beneficial to us than just our own personal, small, often self-defeating forms of force. Whatever we would wish to call it, The balance can find us. Now, this is more than just some mystical mumbo-jumbo about doing nothing and somehow getting everything. There was a movie a few years ago called Forgetting Sarah Marshall that some of you might have known at. It was about a guy who had a miserable breakup and he goes to Hawaii to escape only to find out that his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, is now there with a better looking, richer, and more talented musician than he ever was. And he decides that he's going to go for surfing lessons. And he goes down on the board on dry land and he's being trained by this guy who looks like he's probably been stoned for the last 25 years straight. And at first, when he tries to get up, off the board. He says, no, 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 you're, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. Get down on the board. Get down on the board. He tries to hop up and find his balance. No, 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 you're doing too much. You're doing too much. And so, by this point, he's down on the board and he's like tentatively, is this, is this, is this, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? No, you're doing too much. Until finally, he just gets down on the board. And the teacher says, well, well now you're doing too little. That's just just boogie boarding. (laughs) That's silliness aside. Sometimes in trying to find the balance, we do find it. But then we may want to hold on to it and capture it and keep it. And find ourselves clenching and tightening up once again. Rather than working the other way, which is recognizing that we can only ride the waves of our life. We don't get to control the waves themselves. When we can be in flow and find strength there, then we ride what is in our lives. It makes sense of a quote I heard this past week from the beautiful Buddhist teacher, Pema Shodron. She said, the truth you believe and the truth that you cling to, it can make you unavailable to hear anything new. When we know the strength that is flow, we can be here in the truth that is right now and it is very much... Like the teacher that we heard from today, it is like riding a bike. It is that experience of trust and strength and flow that takes, as the kid said, practice. It takes falling down and falling down and falling down all the time. And to know that ultimately it cannot be forced. That seems to be the default for many of us. And so it is incumbent that we teach ourselves over and over and over again. That with our bodies and our spirits, we can trust the kind of strength that is flow. This is the movie's triumphant scene in which Poe is having the final showdown with his arch enemy, Shen. And Shen is sending these fireballs out against Poe. And what Poe does, like an Aikido master... As he takes these fireballs and he sort of just rolls them along his body and redirects them. Have you ever seen a keto? you ever seen a keto demonstration? It's in many ways what it is like. It is not combating force with force. Neither is it becoming a victim or just absorbing the blow. It is learning to redirect that force elsewhere. What Poe learns in that moment is that inner peace in life is not about the absence of crisis or the absence of conflict. If any of us are waiting for the day in which we have a complete absence of anything that needs to be done and a complete absence of conflict and a complete absence of anything that makes us feel tense and tight, and we think, aha, on that day we will have inner peace, well, perhaps then, welcome to the day of your funeral, inner peace in the truest sense is knowing that we can be in the midst of a difficult moment we can be in the midst of conflict we can be in the midst of that conflict without becoming the conflict itself That is inner peace, and our world needs so much of that kind of strength, that kind of empowerment right now. We forget somehow, but the greatest peaceful revolution in our country was all about the strength of flow and not about the strength of force, the civil rights movement which took our country from an apartheid country to a country that has made progress not as much as we might like, but a country that has experienced a revolution because it was based in spiritually deep people who understood that their energy could flow out to people who would be willing to be changed and to see the evils of a racist system for what exactly it was, to see strength as force and forcefulness as a cause of destruction of life. Strength as force, perhaps sometimes it is necessary, but it is simultaneously cheap Too easy and simultaneously too costly and not nearly as effective or as quick as we would like it to be. There's a story from Buddha. Buddha and the bandit, it is sometimes called. Not BJ and the bear, not smoking the bandit. Buddha and the bandit, it is called. And it is said that the Buddha was out one day traveling through the wilderness through the jungle and he was set upon by a vicious notorious killer a man who literally cut off the appendages of the people He would killed and used them as a necklace And the buddha was not going to resist this man. He said, okay, I know this is what you do and you will kill me But first I want you to do something for me before you take my life I want you to go over to that tree there I want you to go over to that tree and see the branch that is on it I want you to slice off that branch and bring it to me And the killer thinking, well, I hold all the cards. Mm, I'll do it, whatever. And he does and he brings back the branch to Buddha. And the Buddha says, I have one more request. Now go back to the tree and reattach the branch as it was. And at this point, the killer has just drawn his blade. He's thinking, this guy is crazy. And he says, you are insane. How could you think I could reattach this branch to that tree after I've cut it off? And the Buddha responded, no, it is you who are crazy to believe that there is strength, real strength in wounding and destroying the truly strong. know how to create and how to heal. And so it said that right after that teaching, the bandit put down his blade, never harmed another life. And became, like the Buddha, a monk practicing the arts of awakening. Today, I would like all of us to recognize both our inner Buddha and our inner bandit. The part of us that wants to believe, even if we don't want to say it, that really strength is all force and forcefulness. And also acknowledge the part of us that wants to extend and to open towards this life and to know that deep strength can be flow as well really what i'm asking you today is this unclench unclench this unclench this unclench this let your spirit flow outward let your body be at peace Stretch out your being. Stretch out for the flow of love. It is there already. You did not create it. That's the wonderful part. Our wonderful part is to respond. To know that we can build a bigger, deeper, wider container for our lives. And to know that when we do so, just like that kid on that bike, it'll be thumbs up, rock and roll, everybody. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. Spirit of balance and wholeness that is ours originally. Spirit of peace and compassion. Spirit of strength. May we unlearn. All the ways in which our society tells us to be strong by wanting and seeking to control others or control ourselves. Instead, may we trust that older, more ancient, primordial wisdom of when we find ourselves clenching to take that deep breath. To reground ourself in the deepest strength that there is and to know that the flow is all around us as it is within us. And we can enter that deeper stream of our being every moment that we choose to. May we choose to do so this moment. Amen.